0: From the heart of our nation's capital, here's Family Research Council President Tony Perkins.
1: Well, hello, everyone, and welcome to Washington Watch. Coming up, Democrats are running out of time to pass President Biden's Build Government Bigger Plan. Will they get there?
2: Everyone is going to have to compromise if we're going to find that legislative sweet spot we can all get behind. Nobody will get everything they want, but no matter what. Our final proposal will deliver the core promise we made to the American people.
1: So what's in that core promise? We'll get the details from Montana Senator Steve Daines in just a moment. Also, Senate Democrats fell short in their continued efforts for a federal takeover of elections just moments ago. For multiple years running, Washington Democrats have offered a rotating merry-go-round of rationales to explain why they need to federalize voting laws and take over all of american elections themselves but every time they try this stick in the senate it falls flat today will be no exception we'll talk about it later here on washington watch and arrests at the southern border have made an has uh, hit another record but for every person being detained crossing the border illegally how many others get through We'll find out when we're joined by the former Homeland Security Secretary, Chad Wolf. The Supreme Court has passed on issuing an emergency injunction on a vaccine mandate targeting health care workers in Maine. However, Chairman of Liberty Council, Matt Staver, who is representing the doctors and nurses, says there is still time for this issue to get to the Supreme Court before health care workers, first responders and members of the military are fired for not surrendering to the vaccine mandate. Matt Staver joins us later. And as promised, Connor Simmelsberger, Director of Federal Affairs here at FRC, joins me once again in our final dissection of the almost 2,500- page reconciliation bill, which is a grab bag of leftist priorities. We'll take a look at it later here on Washington Watch the website Tonyperkins.com. and uh, tonight, tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern Time Pray vote stand. We'll even look uh, further into the reconciliation bill that's tonight 8 p.m eastern time pray vote stand all right often on this program we're discussing the far left and uh, the fact that they've spent decades infiltrating the education system social media and the entertainment industry to target the hearts and minds of our children well this week join frc for the sake of our children's campaign Uh, to help stop leftist indoctrination. Reach the next generation with biblical truth and hope and protect America's future. Every gift will be quadrupled up to our $1 million challenge match. All you have to do is text CHILD, that's C-H-I-L-D, CHILD, to 67742. Or, as always, you can visit TonyPerkins.com to partner with us. With the focus on President Biden's $3.5 trillion Build Government Bigger Plan, the normal spending bills are not getting much attention, and they should, not for what is in them, but for what's not. Earlier this week, Senate Democrats released the nine remaining appropriations bills for 2022, which have a price tag of roughly $1.5 trillion dollars. Well, that means there are lots of dollars in these spending bills, 13 percent more than last year to be exact. It's what's left out that may be more costly. From the appropriations to fund the Labor, Health and Human Services and Education Department, what's missing is the Hyde Amendment, which restricts taxpayer funding of abortion. Also absent is the Weldon Amendment, which prohibits federal funds from going to states that discriminate against any health care entity that does not want to pay for or provide coverage for abortions. What else is cause for concern? Well, joining us now to talk about this is U.S. Senator Steve Daines of Montana. He is the chairman of the Senate Pro-Life Caucus. He's also a member of the Senate Finance Committee. Senator, welcome back to the program. Thanks, Tony. All right. I, I want to get to the nine appropriations bills that were released by Democrats on uh, on Monday. But 1st What's the latest on the reconciliation bill? I see the Democrats are negotiating with themselves, going back and forth. It appears that they've moved off the $3.5 trillion, but where this thing lands, uh, nobody knows. Well, I don't think they know either, Tony. It's Dems in complete disarray. It's this
3: donkey-on-donkey battling that we're watching. Um, Is this the largest spending bill in our nation's history? This may be the largest tax increase in 50 years. They have still got a long ways to go to try to put their arms around this massive, reckless spending and tax bill. But what's not being talked about enough is the underlying policies. We talk about the numbers, you know, this $3.5 trillion number, the tax increase. These are terrible. But you start peeling back the policies, higher taxes for married couples. In other words, we're going to incentivize people to not get married. Uh, that is just fought out wrong. These Green New Deal policies that will bankrupt this country. Look what's going on in Europe with natural gas prices up nearly 400 percent. Coal prices nearly doubling. Of course, oil prices up 70, 80 uh, percent. This is the movie trailer. What we're seeing in Europe is the movie trailer what will happen to America if the, these policies they're promoting here on the climate and the Green New Deal pass the Senate, the House, and get on President Biden's desk.
1: And Senator Daines, that seems to be one of the sticking points with one of your colleagues uh, from West Virginia, Senator Manchin, who comes from a coal-rich state. Um, He is pushing back on some of these uh, Green New Deal policies. But of course, you have the progressive wing of the party, uh, the extreme left in the House saying, ah, we have to have these. Where does this end up at the end of the day? Yeah, I don't think anybody knows, Tony. And I'll tell you, I'm,
3: I'm glad to see some Democrats standing up and pushing back against these radical policies. Tony, these are radical, far-left policies. This is a fundamental battle against Marxism and control of the economy and energy by the government instead of the free markets. You know, as America has led the world in reducing CO2 emissions because of innovation and free market principles, we have had reliable, affordable energy. Until the left takes charge of this country and now Biden you know one hit back in January was' shutting down the Keystone pipeline, shutting down oil and gas leases on our federal lands and now he's pleading with OPEC to increase production because we're seeing soaring gas prices
1: yeah I, I do hope the American people see this this is not uh, this is not complicated you, you, you cut off pipelines you shut down, exploration and drilling in this country. And we were energy independent at the end of the Trump administration. And now we see the prices going up at the pump. We see, uh, as you pointed out, this administration trying to negotiate with foreign entities to get more energy. What's behind this? What's behind this, Tony,
3: is the religion of the left. The religion of the left worships climate change, a new Green Deal. That, that they wake up every morning dreaming about these policies. They worship uh, more abortion policies. They are pro-abortion. I mean, they, they will fight to the, the, the last breath to ensure that we continue to have abortion on demand and that we shut down conventional source of energy. It's a very, very dangerous Marxist-type philosophy. It's godless and that is the fight we've got going on right now in Washington. Well, we must stop it. And look, again, no further than what Europe is doing right now as we speak. If you want to say a prayer at night, pray for a warmer winter for Europe, because they're on the verge of running out of energy, because what they did is they decommissioned nuclear plants, they decommissioned coal fire plants, and you know what, Tony? They're out of
1: energy, and they've got a mess on their hands. We can't let that happen to the United States. And what's amazing, Senator Daines, is all of this is done in the name of helping the middle class, the working man, when in fact he's the one that's going to carry the burden here with these policies that end up raising energy prices and driving up the cost of goods. I want to play a clip from Senator Schumer earlier today, and then we're going to move to the appropriations bills released earlier this week. Play clip number five, please
2: everyone is going to have to compromise if we're going to find that legislative sweet spot we can all get behind. Nobody will get everything they want, but no matter what, our final proposal will deliver the core promise we made to the American people. We will take bold action against the climate crisis while creating millions of new, good-paying jobs. We will expand economic opportunity and lower costs for working Americans. And we will cut taxes for working and middle-class Americans while asking the wealthy to pay their fair share, how does he say that
3: with a straight face? Yeah. I tell you, how can you listen to that with a straight face? You know, when we um, when we had majority control in the Senate, when President Trump was in office, we cut taxes. We let the American people have more money in their pockets, and guess what happened? We saw a booming economy. We saw you know, middle class wages go up. We saw record levels, low levels of unemployment for minorities. And, and then the Democrats take over, and, of course, we see the uh, the wreckage leaving behind here with these far-left policies. But when he talked about compromise, I just had to chuckle for a minute, Tony, that everybody's got a compromise. No, they're not asking Republicans to be involved in discussions. That is talking about 48 Democrats versus two Democrats, Mansion and Cinema. Uh, there's 50 Republicans that have been completely shut out of this process. Remember, there's 52 of us, 50 Republicans plus two Democrats, two Democrats—Mansion who have a problem with what's going on with this bill. It's the minority. It's 48 on the left Democrats that are supporting what Schumer trying to do at the moment. Stay tuned. It's a long way from over.
1: So, Senator, final uh, on the reconciliation. In my view, I don't see a sweet spot out there.
3: No, I, I tell you, I think it's going to be very, very difficult for them. Uh, they have no margin for error. It's a 50-50 Senate, and they've got a four-seat margin in the U.S. House. Just at the time when you start to maybe move a little bit to the left, then the moderates uh, get mad, move a little bit to the right, the far left gets angry. I think they're going to have a hard time bringing this thing home.
1: All right, Senator since 1976, I believe it's 75, 76, we've had the Hyde Amendment as an annual writer to our appropriations bills. That's been common ground. That's been a legislative sweet spot, if you will. Everybody's agreed to that, but not now. The House kicked it out. And then on Monday, when the Senate released its nine remaining appropriations bills, it was gone. Um, I would think Unlike, because unlike reconciliation, they have to have Republican help to get these appropriations bills forward. What's going on here? Well, Tony, you're exactly right. And that's
3: why after the election, I led a letter and had 47 Republican senators sign it that said if the Hyde protections are removed, The bill is dead on arrival. And as you correctly articulated, for 45 years, that's been the law of the land. In other words, protecting taxpayer dollars from funding abortions. It's never been controversial. Joe Biden supported this back when he was a senator. So this is a purposeful exclusion of this provision. It's a blatant attack on life and taxpayers. This is a purely partisan effort. And thanks to that letter that we have with a commitment signed in ink by 47 of us, That would make it filibuster proof in dead on arrival if they try to do this through uh, the regular order in the United States Senate.
1: We're going to be watching that one very closely because uh, this is a life or death battle uh, because we've seen millions of lives have been saved because of the Hyde Amendment. And, Senator, we appreciate your leadership in the Senate leading the the pro-life caucus. And uh, as always, thanks for being with us today as well. Thanks for having me, Tony. Senator Steve Daines of Montana, he's fighting for the things we care about. He's one, of, And this is one of the reasons we need to be praying for government. We've got men and women like that on Capitol Hill fighting day in and day out. For the same values you and I care about. All right, coming up, what started off as an alleged seasonal surge, according to the president at the southern border, is now a record-breaking surge. Soon-to-be-published data reports that 1.7 million illegal immigrants were detained at the southern border, during the 2021 fiscal year. Now, that's just the ones that were detained. How many more got through and are in the country? Coming back after the break, we'll talk with the former Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf. Don't go away. We're back with more
4: after this.
5: With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742. And FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know. Join us for FRC and
6: FRC Action's inaugural Pray Vote Stand Summit. In light of the growing opposition our culture has expressed against biblical principles and the truth of God's Word, we've launched Pray, Vote Stand Summit to equip and encourage Christians to respond to this opposition from a biblical worldview. We will address issues such as protecting the unborn, the importance of the nuclear family, domestic and international religious liberty, developments in our nation's education system, and more. We see the need for the restoration of a biblical foundation in our nation and the necessity to equip Christians to effectively engage the culture and understand current events through a biblical lens. Join us at Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia from October 6th through the 8th for the Prayvote Stand Summit. Register online at prayvotestand.org summit or by calling 877-372-2808.
7: More than ever before, Christians need to be grounded in the truth of God's Word and be prepared to articulate them in a winsome manner. That is why Family Research Council has launched the Center for Biblical Worldview. By applying the Bible and the historical teachings of the church to a wide range of relevant issues, including voting, religious liberty, abortion, marriage, and sexuality, the experts at the center have provided resources to help Christians live by a biblical worldview. To understand why Scripture must be authoritative, and to equip believers to advance and defend the faith in the workplace, in schools, in their communities, and in the public square, access free resources like the Biblical Worldview series at frc.org/worldview. To get highlights of the latest work of the Worldview Fellows, including their latest blogs, op-eds, interviews, and publications, sign up at frc.org/subscriptions.
1: Welcome back to Washington Watch. I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Don't miss the opportunity to join our For the Sake of Our Children campaign and quadruple your impact to stop the leftist indoctrination. Reach the next generation with biblical truth and hope and protect America's future. You can do that by partnering with FRC. Text the word CHILD to 67742 you can make your donation that way, or go to tonyperkins.com. donate now. Everything you give, up to a million dollars, we've got a million dollar match out there. So we uh, we want you to stand with us and partner with us to stop the indoctrination of our children. Text child to six seven seven four two. All right. According to soon to be published data from U.S. Customs and Border Protection, more than one point seven million. Illegal immigrants were detained at the southern border during the 2021 fiscal year that ended in September. Now, that tops the previous high of 1.64 million detained in the year 2000. And notably, 1.3 million of the 1.7 million were detained in the nine months since President Biden took office. So much for the president's claim back in March that the surge was just a seasonal normal uh, ahead of the hot summer months especially since the highest figures were actually in July and August, the hottest months of the summer. Even the president's pick for uh, CBP commissioner acknowledged yesterday that the president's policies are to blame, at least in part. Would you agree with me that a policy of non-enforcement is a pull factor which is encouraging more illegal immigration?
4: Uh, Senator, thank you for the question. I think that there are many factors that contribute to this. Is that one of them? It is certainly one part of it. Yes, sir. Okay.
1: That was uh, Senator John Cornyn of Texas questioning uh, the president's selection to head up uh, Customs and Border Protection. Um, Tucson, former Tucson Police Chief Chris Magnus. So what are we to make of all of this? Joining us now to talk more about this, to give us some insights, is the former head, the former secretary of the Department of Homeland Security, Secretary Chad Wolf. Uh, Mr. Wolf, welcome back to the program.
8: Well, thanks for having me, Tony. Pleasure to be here.
1: All right. So are you surprised that we have set an all-time record of apprehensions at the border?
8: Well, I'm surprised in the sense of that's such a large number uh, to you know to have it be the highest ever recorded uh, illegal apprehensions. Uh, but I've been looking at this for now for eight months, and so I'm not surprised that the Biden administration's policies have led us to the place that we're at today. We have a failed border security strategy, and that has equaled uh, the highest illegal apprehension numbers on record ever in the history of our country since we've been collecting this information. And the 1.7 that you mentioned, Tony, those are just the individuals that Border Patrol apprehends. There's over another 400,000 individuals that have gotten through that safety net along the border uh, this fiscal year that have disappeared into our country. So it's well over 2 million individuals that have attempted to illegally come into the country and uh, you know, look, the the policies of this Biden administration are directly to blame because of this. I think it's it's been very clear that we had a very secure border in 2019 and 2020, and on day one of this administration, they pulled down certain policies, and the result of that is what you see today. You see illegal apprehension numbers through the roof. You see catch and release back. You see planefuls of individuals being dropped off in the middle of night, and it goes on and on and on.
1: So let me get to that one point there about those who are not apprehended. Is there a ratio? Is it, uh, is it three quarters of those that are apprehended?
8: One quarter gets through. What What is the number that you work with? Well, Border Patrol actually has a very uh, systemic way to look at that. So it's not just it's based on a number. Uh, they actually have camera feeds and radar feeds where they see individuals cross. But because they have no uh, agents in the area, they're never able to interdict those individuals. Uh, There's also prints in the sand. There's a variety of different ways that they calculate that gotaway number each and every month. And what we saw this month in September is about 192,000 illegal apprehensions, but the number of gotaways increased. And I think that's important because what that says is that the border patrol, they've been pulled off of the line. Uh, They've been pulled into border patrol facilities and other facilities to babysit large numbers of folks such as the Haitians under a bridge, um, and they're not able to interdict those individuals coming across the country. So the number of gotaways in the month of September increased more than it has the rest of the fiscal year. So there's some systemic and fundamental problems with the strategy that they are employing today. Uh, And it's problematic because it's, it's not providing the security that the American people need.
1: So the, the numbers are based upon pretty much actual counts of those who got through. They pretty much know how many people got into the country. You say 400,000 are walking our streets here in the United States, and, and not all of those
8: are coming here simply for economic opportunity. Right. I, I, you know, my, my contention is uh, of the 400,000, these are individuals that have the means to pay the cartels and the smugglers, Um, to get them across in places to elude Border Patrol. You know, a lot of the families that you see and minors that you see actually seek out Border Patrol agents because they know that they'll be taken care of and then they'll be released into the interior of the country. But the folks that want to get away from Border Patrol, that don't want to see a Border Patrol agent, They're the ones that have the means to pay the cartels more. And so you have to think to yourself, those are probably the criminals, that if they're apprehended by Border Patrol, they will be removed from the country. So if you're a criminal and you want to come into the country, you're looking for avenues and ways to not encounter the Border Patrol. So whether that's, again, MS-13 members, perhaps you are uh, a a known or suspected terrorist, perhaps you're on a watch list. These are the types of individuals that give me the most concern as we look at that 400,000 number this year. Uh, Mr. Secretary, f- uh, final question, very quickly. The
1: the Biden administration apparently rethinking its uh, policies. They say they're ready to restore the Remain in Mexico policy next month, which was key to stemming the
8: flow at the border. Is that going to happen? Well, I'll, I'll you know I'll believe it when I see it. Uh, you know this administration has been very negative about that program. Obviously, they ended it really at at the start of this administration, and even though the Supreme Court has told them that they need to re-implement it. They have actually filed more uh, policy memorandum trying to kill the program so that it's in line with the Supreme Court ruling. So, you know, on one hand, they talk about restarting it. And on the other hand, they continue to talk about killing it. But there's any number of ways that you can implement the Remain in Mexico program to have it be efficient and effective. And there's any number of ways that you can implement that program to have it be inefficient and ineffective. And unfortunately, that's what I fear is going to happen. They're gonna do it in such small numbers In small places along that border that it becomes irrelevant and the cartels can push people around different areas and different sectors that they don't have the program up and running. So we'll see how they do at the end of the day, but uh, as you can tell, I'm I'm skeptical of of them implementing that program.
1: It did work when you were there. I can tell you that. Uh, Secretary, we got to go. Thanks for joining us. Folks, stick with us. We're back after the break.
9: Do you want to be able to stay up to date on conservative news? and our latest blogs, updates, and publications. Additionally, you will have the opportunity to take action and make your voice heard by contacting your elected officials on the issues that most concern you. Visit the app store on your smartphone or mobile device and search Stand Firm to download Family Research Council's official Stand Firm app.
10: Have you ever tried to read the Bible daily but struggled to get in a groove? It can be hard, especially if you don't know where to start or how to understand and apply what you've read or maybe it's just that doing it alone has made it too easy to give up. Well, let me encourage you. You don't have to do this daily discipline alone. You can join Family Research Council's Stand on the Word two-year Bible reading plan. God's Word is necessary in our lives so much so that Christ said we are to live on every word that comes from the mouth of God. He calls it our daily bread because we need it daily to sustain us and nourish us spiritually, just like food does physically. That is why we want to read the Bible daily, and we'd love for you to join us so we can stay grounded in God's truth and grow closer to God together. Our hope is that this plan will help you be transformed by God's Word by reading and hearing it daily. Sign up to get the daily passages and questions today by visiting frc.org slash Bible. That's frc.org slash Bible.
1: TonyPerkins.com is the website. If you miss anything, you can catch it all later right there at TonyPerkins.com. All right. Yesterday, the U.S. Supreme Court declined to immediately halt enforcement of the COVID-19 shot mandate for healthcare workers in Maine, but left the door open for an appeal to be refiled. State of Maine will begin enforcing Democrat Governor Janet Mills' mandate on October the 29th. And if the First Circuit Court of Appeals does not rule by then, or if it denies relief, relief can again be sought at the Supreme Court. Joining me now to talk about this latest development and other mandate news is Matt Staver, founder and chairman of Liberty Council, which is representing the more than 2,000 healthcare workers who don't want to be forced to get the COVID shot. Matt, welcome back to the program. Thank you, Tony. It's good to be with you.
4: Now, I understand that you
1: have just uh, filed an appeal in this case.
4: That's right. In fact, uh, when Justice Breyer ultimately denied the emergency injunction yesterday, he said, well, you can come back if the relief is not granted at the Court of Appeals or if they don't rule by October 29. A few hours later, the Court of Appeals did not grant relief. So already, just within the last few hours, we are now back at the United States Supreme Court asking for an emergency relief on behalf of these 2000 plus healthcare workers, some of whom have already been terminated. These are healthcare heroes that have run to the front line for months and months and months. And they've worked through the COVID uh, pandemics and the Delta variant, and the shots have been available. They've chosen not to get them for good reason in their own right. Many of them are religious based reasons and other reasons as well. And now they're being forced, these healthcare heroes, which Janet Mills called superheroes, and they indeed are, they are being forced to get these shots or be terminated, and some of them have already lost their jobs.
1: Now, as you mentioned, these are frontline healthcare workers who worked through the initial uh, pandemic, many of them contracting COVID, and so now right. they have natural immunity. Is that being considered at all
4: uh, in these mandates? Not a consideration at all. And you know, past is prologue. And what I mean by that is these hospital workers and the hospitals have given reasonable accommodations to these healthcare workers. They've worked with various kinds of PPE devices. They've been protective of themselves and their communities and their patients. And so they've been able to work through it without the shots. Nothing's changed. The shots have been available since December, all three since January, Pfizer, Moderna, and Johnson Johnson. The Delta variant has been around for months. And in fact, now the only thing that's changed is Governor Mills woke up one day and she issued this executive order. And Tony, beyond the executive order where she mandates all the healthcare workers to get the shots, she says no religious exemptions. Now, all of those healthcare workers are protected by the federal Title VII law, which says you can't be discriminated in the workplace on account of religion. And that's the law that allows these individuals in public and private workplaces to submit religious. Accommodation request. And she's essentially saying, by her one executive order, she is putting aside the federal law, which frankly preempts the state law. It's the most um, outrageous attempt by a governor to act as their own country and ignore existing federal law.
1: So, Matt Staver, when do you think you'll hear something from the Supreme Court on your appeal that you filed today?
4: I think we'll hear this week because even though the deadline is later in October, the deadline for some of these have already passed. Because when they look at a deadline, what they mean is you don't get the shot by then. You have to get that last one two weeks in advance. So the deadlines for some of these already passed, and they're only waiting now to be punished and terminated. So we've asked the court to intervene immediately because time is of the essence. I think we'll hear something by the end of the week.
1: Now, on another uh, case, you have filed on behalf of members of all five branches of the military over President Biden's COVID mandates. Where does that stand?
4: Yes, we filed that last Friday afternoon, Monday already. The federal judge has already expedited the case. So we're moving forward with an expedited hearing on the matter. Uh, and uh, the attorneys for the Joe Biden, uh, the Department of Defense and the Department of Homeland Security are now just uh, appearing on the case. The judge says he wants to get this taken care of quickly because again, the time frame is very short for military, for federal workers, and for the 3.7 million federal civilian contractors. For the military, Tony, as you well know, they're not just being threatened uh, with loss of job. They're being threatened from colonels all the way from the very top to those who have been deployed multiple times, to those who have been in the most dangerous theaters around the country, around the world. Uh, They're being threatened with dishonorable discharge. right? That's a right. badge of dishonor that they will carry with them for the rest of their lives. Chaplains that we represent in this case and that we are working with say that the rate of suicides because of the pressure and abuse will indeed increase uh, against uh, all these men and women in the military. These are military heroes. They deserve our honor and respect, not this kind of abuse and mistreatment. Yeah. Well,
1: appreciate you representing them, and we're going to be following this very, very closely. Matt Stave, we're out of time. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you. Good to be with you, Tony. Folks, stick with us. We're coming back with more Washington Watch as we take a look at uh, what is in these reconciliation bills. And, uh, and I encourage you to uh, you know push back on these mandates. One of the reasons that uh, Liberty Council and others are succeeding in getting these cases before the courts is that they have people willing to stand up. So I encourage you to uh, to stand firm for your rights and, and support organizations like Liberty Council and Alliance Defending Freedom and First Liberty and others who are defending, especially those frontline healthcare workers and our members of the military. All right, when we come back, I'm going to be joined by Connor Simmelsberger. We're going to be taking another look at the reconciliation bill. What's in it? We're going to look at some of the uh, left-wing goodies that have been tucked away in the nearly 2,500 pages. That's next here on Washington Watch. Don't go away.
5: Are you a university student? Do you know a university student? specifically one who wants to grow as a Christian leader to influence public policy and culture, look no further. Family Research Council has a life-changing 12 to 15 week internship program that prepares and equips students to take the next step in their professional journey. With a speaker series focusing on careers and callings, lectures from prominent conservative leaders, and weekly biblical worldview trainings, students will grow in personal and professional development. is real biblical masculinity
6: lost forever in this culture of gender confusion there are too few examples of godly manhood so where can men husbands and fathers find a model of godly manhood leadership and strength in this culture try our stand courageous men's ministry we seek to help men develop a strong biblical character cultivate positive habits Build and rebuild relationships and make commitments that will move men closer to God's good purpose and design. Men who will stand courageous. We invite you to join us at a Stand Courageous Men's Conference to discuss critical aspects of masculinity. These conferences are led by men who struggle with the same issues you do and will invest in unpacking our role as a defender, provider, instructor, and battle buddy so that we can have a generational influence as a chaplain inside and outside the home. Learn more and find a Stand Courageous
5: event near you at standcourageous.com. With tech censorship on the rise, we've increasingly seen the cancellation of conservatives and Christians. At Family Research Council, we want to be proactive about making sure big tech doesn't completely silence us. We want to stay connected with you, and so we've created a tech subscription platform. That way, if we are canceled, you can still find updates on faith, family, and freedom. You can get FRC's content straight to your phone by signing up for our text alerts. Just text STAND to 67742. Again, text STAND to 67742, and FRC will send you special alerts on the issues of the day. By subscribing, you'll also be one of the first to know about our upcoming events and programs. All of this info is yours with just a simple text. We want you to always have access to the content that will help you stand for what's right and keep you connected with like-minded community. Just text STAND to 67742 and be the most informed person you know.
1: Welcome back. To Washington Watch, I'm Tony Perkins, your host. The website, TonyPerkins.com. Again, don't miss the opportunity to join our For the Sake of Our Children campaign and quadruple your financial impact to help stop leftist indoctrination. You can reach the next generation with biblical truth and hope and protect America's future. Text the word CHILD to 67742. That's the word CHILD to 67742 or visit TonyPerkins.com to make a donation out, to be a partner with us. All right, before I go to the reconciliation bill, I want to go back because I was uh, running out of time with uh, the former Secretary of Homeland Security, Chad Wolf. He made reference to this, and I wanted to play this clip. I've, I've got a clip. He made a reference to children being transported in the middle of the night, and that's what's happening with these unaccompanied minors. I've got a clip of the White House Secretary, Jen Psaki, yesterday she was being asked about this by Fox News' Peter Ducey, uh, about these uh, middle-of-the-night flights being coordinated by the, administ- minist- the Biden administration from the border. Play clip number four.
6: Why is the administration flying thousands of migrants from the border to Florida and New York in the middle of the night?
4: Uh, Well, I'm not sure that it's in the middle of the night, but let me tell you what's happening here. Um, It is our
6: 429 a.m. Well, very early in the morning. Here
4: we are talking about early flights earlier than you might like to take a flight. Um, It is our legal responsibility to safely care for unaccompanied children until they swiftly can be swiftly unified with a parent or a vetted sponsor.
1: And also, it's difficult to get pictures uh, of all of this in the middle of the night when it's under the cover of darkness? Why not in the middle of the afternoon when kids are wide awake? Uh, unless the media might be there to cover. Of course, the legacy media is not going to cover this. But we've seen already how this administration wants to shut down media coverage at the border when the fiasco took place with the, uh, the, the 15,000 Haitian um, immigrants trying to get across the border. So, look, this administration does not want to own up to what their policies have led to. And these children are being transported across the country and placed in cities. Now, look, um, I am for legal immigration, but it has to be legal. And what we have here is we're being essentially overrun by illegal immigration. You know, 1.7 million people apprehended the border. And as the secretary's former secretary said, 400,000, 400,000, almost a half a million people have gotten into the country and are here. And that's just, that's just in the, uh, basically the nine months of the Biden administration. What's another three years of the Biden administration going to accomplish? Well, it's a good segue into our next topic. And that is the issue of the Democrats $3.5 trillion build government bigger plan. Now, why would I say that's a good transition? Because this bill even deals with immigration. Yes, that's one of the, the, the lefties grab bag pieces in this huge funding bill. Now, as I said earlier, Uh, At the top of the program with Senator Daines, this is being negotiated. The price tag may end up being, well, if if it passes, it's going to be less than the $3.5 trillion. Uh, Senator Manchin of West Virginia says he's not spending, he's not going to vote for anything over $1.5. We'll see how much he gives. We'll see how much the president gives. But what else? In addition to immigration, these uh, green spending plans, what else is in this bill? Well, joining us for our final uh, analysis of uh, the bill is connor simelsberger he is the director of federal affairs here at the family research council connor welcome back
0: good to be back again tony
1: i, I do hope you laughed since uh, i told you to stay there and i forgot after the program that you could leave so i hope you haven't been there hard again.
0: at work ever since
1: okay All right, so let's talk about uh, what's tucked away in this uh, nearly 2,500-page bill when we look at uh, goodies for leftists. Let me start where I mentioned the immigration. How does this bill touch on the immigration issue?
0: Yeah, with this package, they really went bold on immigration. Original drafts had amnesty for around 8 million uh, students, young people, um, and, and others that have come to this country illegally. There was amnesty right at the beginning. One thing that's important to note, though, is um, back to how we understand this whole process, reconciliation, is uh, there are some constraints. While it does allow the Senate to pass this bill with 50 votes— What they're beholden to is something we call the Byrd rule, named after Senator Byrd, which ensures that any provisions through this reconciliation process uh, must be germane, must be relayed to budget. And thankfully, the Senate parliamentarian, the person that sort of oversees these rules, has already sort of tampered their expectations on amnesty and other things. But don't be fooled. They're going to try everything they can to still push through uh, reforms to illegal immigration, just like you mentioned at the border, and weaken the existing protections on legal immigration.
1: So one of the provisions, and I'm not sure if this made it past the Byrd rule or not, was that it allowed DHS to waive previous convictions for human trafficking, narcotics violations, and illegal voting for those seeking to receive citizenship status. So basically saying, oh, uh, we're not going to pay attention to what you did and and how you might undermine uh, the rule of law here in this country. Is
0: that provision still in there? It seems to be based on what we've seen. And, and this is the key point. You know, they started way out to the left. Bernie's proposed plan, amnesty, full Green New Deal, you name it. But as you come back to the middle, even things like this, this are so progressive, which would so change our immigration things, like like you said, waiving human trafficking violations. I mean, this is something so far out of step. But it, it almost they're going to try to sell it as being moderate to the American public because where they started was so progressive, uh, even things like this. I think are still going to remain intact and might be there at the end of the day when this package is settled.
1: All right, we're we're working our way to the Green New Deal, but before we get there, one of the provisions here when it comes to the vaccine mandate, uh, we were talking earlier uh, with uh, Matt Staver of Liberty Council of the Biden vaccine mandate. We're still waiting for the rules to come out, but uh, in advance of that, in this measure... The reconciliation bill. There is a provision that increases OSHA penalties on businesses that fail to implement. uh, It could be applied. This language is not in there, but it could be applied to the vaccine mandate, uh, multiplying these uh, penalties up to seven hundred thousand dollars per violation. That goes from, I think about, uh, I think that's about a tenfold increase over the existing uh, fines that they're able to uh, levy against businesses. And this includes uh, $2.6 billion in funding for the enforcement of these mandates.
0: Yeah, it it is that tenfold increase. You know, they're setting up the regulatory apparatus now. They get those regulations in place through Occupational Safety and Health Administration. Then if they get this bill passed, that's exactly right. They would increase those penalties to $700,000 per business We've already highlighted all the issues with the military vaccine mandate. Now we're talking about the businesses uh, continuing to go after them and force them on these COVID vaccine. But it's not specific to COVID vaccines. It's any health and safety regulation this administration wants to start slapping down businesses on.
1: I mean, that would destroy a business.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, when you look at small businesses, if you end- and this is per violation, if you received a violation of seven hundred thousand dollars. I mean, that destroys your business.
0: Yeah, it would. I mean, you talk about a small business that's maybe struggling to get workers back Their The revenue's been trickling in because of COVID. Now you throw this on top of it. Boy, uh Main Street around the country could be could be doomed.
1: All right. Also, uh snooping in your bank account. Where yeah. does that stand?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's still on the table because of some of this negotiating. They need, they need to start paying for some of this spending. And one of the ways they tend to do that is through IRS enforcement, looking through our bank accounts. And it, it doesn't stop there. It's your PayPal account, your Venmo account. They really want to look at anything over $600, $600 in an account, uh, and sift through all the, the types of uh, exchanges you make between even family and friends. Uh, this would now be the property of the IRS.
1: And this is worse than Big Brother, uh, what's tucked away in these 2,500 pages. Okay, we're going to get to uh, AOC's Green New Deal. Uh, this is a point of contention, as uh, Senator uh, Mitch, uh, I'm sorry, Senator Manchin of West Virginia, but Coal State, we talked about earlier, he's not for uh, these overreaching provisions. Uh, we talked a little bit about this yesterday. This would force Americans to get 40% of their energy from wind and solar and other renewable energies within eight years. Uh, It creates a methane tax. It includes a tax on natural gas. Uh, This would cost nearly 90,000 American jobs, and this would drive up the cost of energy dramatically. How can you say that this bill, these taxes, these provisions won't affect the middle class?
0: Yeah, to follow up on something we had discussed, and, and that's the big tax credit for uh, electric vehicles. You know, think about that that person living in West Virginia or Pennsylvania that might be losing their job if this passes because their coal, the coal plant they've worked at forever, or the natural gas place they've worked at forever, is now shut down. Now they try to go buy maybe a used car, they can't because these subsidies. Who do they benefit? The wealthy, not those middle class Americans. I mean, that's just one example, but it can go on and on on how this will really impact middle class. Americans, both in their energy, how they spend that for their own home, but even the the business sectors as well.
1: All right, uh, Connor, you have been a part of putting together a a publication on this that will help people go a little bit deeper in in, uh, what is tucked away in this reconciliation bill, this uh, build government bigger plan. Uh, Where can people get it and what's in it?
0: Yeah, so if you go to FRC.org slash spending, you'll see the six most important things you should know about this Biden anti-family budget buster or the build government bigger. You know, that's what it is. It's laced in this language to help families, to tax the Wall Street corporations. But as we've highlighted these last few few sessions here, uh, it's anything but that. It really actually goes after families, family formation, funding abortions, um, you know, penalizing marriage. Uh, getting rid of work requirements, you name it. They want to uh, send your kids to institutionalized daycare, radicalize them as soon as they possibly can, and they're going to pass this all under the guise of a 50-vote Senate, minimums in the House, not a single Republican vote. This is how they're trying to reshape America. If you check out this resource, it outlines all those major family provisions for you.
1: I mean, kind of what you just said there, reshape America, this really is something that the left has been trying to do for decades It's all rolled into one bill, and they're using this provision of reconciliation to skirt any type of bipartisan support for these radical policies. I mean, this fundamentally changes America. What we saw under Barack Obama will pale in comparison to
0: this. Yeah, you look at Obamacare, that was just a health care provision, and we had such a tough time getting real answers from the Democrats on that. This is Obamacare plus 10 of their top socialist priorities, all in one bill, like you said, whisked around in the middle of the night, uh, not, not talked about with the other side of the aisle. And so it's, it, it's frightening to see where Congress has gotten to, where this is what they're pushing through. But w- we at FRC are going to be continuing to fight for family issues here in Capitol Hill day in and day out. All right, Connor. before I let you go,
1: what can people do? This is not a done deal yet. They, the Democrats are still having to negotiate with themselves to try to get something through. And quite frankly, I love to see this. Uh, it's like, uh, you know, you, you see scorpions and tarantulas together kind of fighting one another because you got the, uh, the, the progressives in the Democratic Party and the moderates. And, and so this is kind of a, a fight among Democrats right now. How can we help them out?
0: Yeah. Keep engaging. First, inform yourself with all the resources we've just provided you all, the videos and the talking points. But please, please, please let your members of Congress and definitely your senators know what you care about, where you want your tax dollars spent or not spent. Um, Because like you said, let them keep fighting this out. Time is against them right now. There's all this infighting. Please keep letting your, your members of Congress and senators know where you want them to be advocating for your values. All right, Connor, great work in uh, analyzing this
1: massive piece of legislation. We appreciate your uh, insight and your diligence. Thanks so much for uh, joining us in these sessions as we try to inform our listeners what is contained in this massive $3.5 trillion bill.
0: Yeah, such a pleasure to work on these issues day in and day out and, and happy to be back again.
1: All right, uh, Connor Simmelsberger here at FRC. Okay. So here's your homework. You need to contact your members uh, of your delegation, those who represent you in the your member of Congress in the House, and you your two United States senators. Now you say, well, they're Democrats. Doesn't matter, uh, especially in the House, because there are some Democrats that are going to really be made by Nancy Pelosi to walk a plank by supporting this when this comes uh, over to the House. Uh, because they know it's unpopular. And the history, we go back to 2010 after the Obamacare passed, and it was so many Democrats lost their reelection bids because they followed the party. Having been around this this place for a long time, I can tell you that for many, self-preservation is at the top of the list. And voting for this is not going to preserve one's future. Uh, not if the American people have anything to say about it, at least the majority of the American people. So pray, prepare, and participate. That's what we need to do. It's what we need you to do. So check out the resources available at frc.org or just go to tonyperkins.com and follow the links over. And again, uh, tonight, 8 p.m. Eastern time, we'll talk even more about this. We'll get the latest from Capitol Hill as we host our weekly edition of Pray, Vote, Stand. You can join us 8 p.m. Eastern Time at prayvotestand.org. All right, folks, thanks so much for being with us. Until next time, I leave you once again with the encouraging words of the Apostle Paul found in Ephesians 6, where he says, when you've done everything you can do, when you've prayed, when you've prepared, and when you've taken your stand, by all means, keep standing.